enjoy the you family. Good to be in the house of the Lord on today. Amen. Ain't the Lord all right? Can we praise God for that male chorus? Congratulations, man of God, to you and the Queen on eight marvelous years. Let's praise God, man. For your pastor. Come on, we can do better than that. Somebody hollering to say, Pastor, we love you. And thank God for you. To all of all those who are watching online, thank you for being here with us. My name is Pastor Wilson, and I am your brother in Christ. Amen. I have the privilege of serving your sister church, the New Beginnings Community Baptist Church on the east side. <laughs> Amen. We hold down the east because we know y'all got the west. Amen. It's just good to be in the kingdom. I'm happy to be here today uh, in my brother, allowing my brother to Sabbath and the rest. It's good, St. Rest, that you allow the man of God and the queen to take some time away. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for your leadership. Uh, my queen is here today, my baby's mama, my, my girlfriend, the queen in my coffee. Sugar in my tea. I get up and go. Hallelujah. Come on, stand, baby. Let them look at you one more time. 31 years. 31 years. That's, that's my favorite, amen, Jackie. I, I listen for that pitch, amen. If y'all don't come with me, she'll just tell me, come on, bring it in, baby. Come on, bring it in. <laughs> Glad to have my best friend. I love her. I love her with all my heart. Amen. And we are glad to be here with you today. My brother beloved, Minister Hodges, is here with me. God bless you, Minister Hodges. Thank you so much. St. Rest, it's good to see you. Hallelujah. I want to I talk to the men in the house today. Ladies, thank you for being here. But would you ear hustle, ear hustle on this text today? I want to talk to the brother. Somebody say it's Brother's Day. Amen. And I want to encourage, I want to encourage the men in the house. So come on, stand with me. Open your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Samuel. Thank you, Elder. 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. And there's two verses there I'd like to break off for the brothers. Allow me to breathe a word of prayer. Father, we are grateful today for this precious privilege to be in your presence. Thank you so much for this great church, a mother flagship in the valley that has taken in many a wounded traveler. Thank you for her ministry. 
Thank you for the consecutive years of faithfulness. Would you encourage us today in your word? Illuminate our hearts and our minds. For we would see you, Jesus. Breathe on me now. Give me preaching power. That preaching may be done. And in the end thereof, we'll give you all the glory and give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. While you're standing, 2 Samuel 23, verses 20 through 22. Benaiah was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man from the hood of Kabzeel <laughs> who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He also had gone down and killed a lion that was in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. And he killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand. And so he went down to him with a staff and he wrestled the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These things, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada did, and he won a name among three mighty men. And all God's people said, Amen. find a brother in the room. Ladies, turn around and find a brother in the room. Just find one, appoint to him. Tell them, brothers, brothers. Oh, brothers. oh brothers, this morning, this morning. Dr. Wilson, Dr. Wilson. want to talk to you about a soldier, a soldier to, remember. to remember. Amen. A soldier to remember. Thank you, Lord. Beloved, every now and then, when we come to the scripture, we have a desire to look for what I call our biblical warriors. Warriors who build for us a memoir that's worth following. And today we get to study a man who has demonstrated that he's more than an average brother. Brother Miller, he is truly a model for us of what it looks like to be passionate about your manhood and your leadership. He's what I call, brothers, a faithful soldier. He's faithful because he models what it looks like to constantly deal with the three enemies to the man. The enemy of the world, the enemy of the flesh, and the satanic foe who all simultaneously launch an attack against you brothers every day. And so I'm grateful today 
for examples like his. So let's examine his person today, family, and find out how we too can be victorious soldiers in a fallen world. Y'all gonna help me today? Our hero today is a man named Benaiah. I know you probably haven't heard much about this guy because he don't get much press in the Old Testament. But what we do have is enough for us to uh, excavate and discover what it means to be a man of God in difficult days. This brother has a track record of faithfully serving King David. What do you mean? He was protecting all that the king was over and had responsibility for. He's what I call a soldier to remember. He's a man to emulate. He's a brother to support. he's He's a leader to look up to. He's a warrior with a resume. And everybody in the hood knew who Benaiah was. Are y'all in here now? Kind of looked like Kreiner a little bit right through there. Can I introduce Benaiah to you? Today in this text, I want to look at Benaiah's pedigree as a soldier. I want to look at Benaiah's prowess as a soldier. And I'm going to land the plane looking at Benaiah's power as a soldier. Y'all gonna help me walk through here? I need you brothers. Come on, say amen. Amen. First point, Benaiah's pedigree. Verse 20. Benaiah, listen to what the text says, was the son of a brother or name, a son of Jehoiada. That was daddy. The son of a valiant man who was from the hood of Kabzir. Who had done many deeds. Can I unpack that for you? The text says when we arrive at this narrative. We learn first of all. That Benaiah's daddy. Had a reputation. His daddy was a Hebrew father. Who was known. For being uh, a warrior. In the hood of Kabzeel. I know y'all saying, I didn't see that, Wilson. Show that to me. Kabzeel was the ghetto of southern Judah. Nobody famous came from there. Are y'all with me here? And southern Judah was divided from northern Israel. They had beef with their own relatives. So when you understand the historical value of what's happening between a broken tribe, how come his daddy stands out with a reputation? That's because he was a man that everybody knew about. Can I say some more? Jehoiada, the daddy, had a reputation for putting in work against the enemies. That's hood talk for, you know, he was always doing something. Are y'all with me here? Somebody, one of my friends said, E.K. Bailey, matter of fact, said he could probably sling those things with the best of them. 
could have been a shot caller, young people, or a baller back in the day. Are you with me here? And the thing the text wants us to know is that Beniah, when he was born, was born into a reputation. Can I say some more? Born into a reputation, meaning that his family name preceded him. Can I say some more? Beniah was a man, watch this now, who does not have hundreds of kills as a warrior in David's army, but he has a record of distinct feats of bravery and leadership that no other soldier had. His bravado and his warfare they mark for us, Dr. Dr. Kleiner, an intimate look into the life of a leader. First thing we learn about him in the biblical text is that he's a fierce fighter. He's a protector. He's a warrior. He's a defender of the kingdom. The Bible describes him like this. Brother Preachers, he says this. He killed two Lion-like heroes from Moab. Can I say some more? These killings are unlike any other killings. Because he was matched up against two of Israel's greatest enemies. Y'all remember the Moabites? Can I go down a little BTU right here? Remember Lot? He had those two girls, and when they was running out of Sodom, they went into a cave. They got their daddy drunk, and they slept with him, and they ended up producing two babies. They became the Moabites. Anytime you see the Moabites in history, you see people who are out of control with their flesh. Beniah goes up against two killers of the flesh. Can I say some more? They represent the worst of your carnal nature. Can I say some more? So when you think about this boy's fight, he has to fight by himself two times the trouble that a normal soldier would fight. So therefore, this particular battle as a mighty man of God can be looked at, beloved, as a battle with your flesh. Brothers, come on, lean in here. You ever had to fight with yourself? Come on, tell the truth and stand in Baptist church. I just heard you seen that song. I got to clean up what I messed up. Started my life. That song is about messing up in the flesh. Are y'all with me here? And when we look at this text, it just arrests me, Sister Wilson, because there's two of them. And watch what the author says. They lion-like. Y'all catch it there? Ferocious. Roaring. Here I come. I said, here I come. Won't your flesh roar in the midnight? Want to tell you to get out of bed? 
It's just one phone call. I'm just going to the club this last time. I lost my church in here today. That flesh is a monster. You do everything you can to try to make it behave and it'll just roar. It'll call you in your dreams. Am I right? It's a monster and it won't stop until it gets you to do what it wants you to do. These Moabites in the text, they represent the evil desires of your flesh. You know what I like to say, Pastor? It's not so much the devil that messes up the church as much as it is the flesh. You born again. You filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus took care of the devil at the cross. He can't be in every church. He ain't omnipresent. The problem in here is you. And the battle you gotta fight. Somebody had a fight this morning. Just trying to get here. I'm talking to somebody, I just can't see. You got your mask on today. I just can't. All I'm trying to say is Beniah had a fight on his hand. But according to the word, he defeated. Somebody say defeated. The Moabites. He got victory over the enemy of his soul. And as a result, he was able to deliver himself from the lurking evil that was opposed to him. Why is that important? The Bible's trying to teach you and I that he was one of David's men, his mighty men, because he had victory over the flesh. Here I come, brothers. If you're going to be Benaiah-like in your families, in your neighborhood, on your job, and in this church, you got to get victory over your flesh. You got to get victory over that carnal appetite. You got to get victory over that thing that's trying to keep you in a headlock and keep you in bondage. We've looked at Benaiah's pedigree. Let me show you now Benaiah's prowess. Are you in here? Verse 20 says, Benaiah was the son of Jehoiada, the son of the valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many deeds. He killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. And then look at this part. He went down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. Y'all know I got to work right there. According to this next portion of the text, beloved sisters, we see the prowess of the man called Benaiah. Now I see some of y'all Googling right now. Prowess, prowess. Let me tell you what it means. It means to have a certain skill or expertise 
in a particular activity or a field. And it means to have a particular sense of bravery in battle. In other words, there was no brother like Benaiah because he was skilled at what he did. And he was exceptionally brave in life-threatening situations. Here I come. Y'all ready? The background of this particular act is not written for us in the text. So I'm left to use my sanctified imagination. Perhaps he was watching over King David's agricultural ministry. And he noticed that in the winter months, the shepherds had problems keeping the lions from getting into the flock. Historians tell us that in the Middle East, when winter came, what shepherds would do was they would set traps around the boundaries of where the livestock would be so that they could catch the animals trying to devour the flock. Well, perhaps Benaiah, in his military oversight, noticed that they catch, they caught, rather, a lion trying to steal the sheep. But unlike shepherds, they don't go down in the pit. Are y'all in here now? They caught him, but now what? The text says, Benaiah answers the now what? He jumps in the pit with the lion on a snowy day. I got to work right there. Notice he don't jump in the pit with his nine millimeter. He don't jump in the pit with a bow and arrow with a knife. He's going to face this lion hands up. Oh, I wish I had a witness right through there. He's what I call a warrior shepherd. Are y'all in here now? And he's going to jump in there to not only protect the flock, but to protect the shepherds. And he's fighting in a precarious location. In the pit on a snowy day. Anybody ever seen snow? Anybody ever walk in snow? Okay, anybody ever fall in snow? I learned this, Sister Jackie. Uh, I'm probably not going to jump in the pit on a snowy day. The odds ain't in my favor. But Benaiah was not angerless. Y'all in here now? His prowess is not my prowess. He was exceptional in that. He knew he could kill this lion. And so this was a battle he was not afraid of. I wish I had some help through that. He jumps in the pit with the lion on a snowy day. Do you know that one fall and the lion could have control overnight? But now I got two legs. The lion got how many? But now I got two teeth in his mouth, but the lion got what? A whole lot of them. Are you with me here? 
this was a battle a normal man couldn't win. This is a carnivorous cat who comes hungry to devour the flock. And now there's lunch in the pit too. If he can get lunch too, but hey, can I say some more? But I like this text. Say the rest. I said I like this text because it never assumes that Benaiah is going to lose. In fact, do you know, do you know this is the only recorded act of bravery in the Old Testament where a man goes head up with a lion in a pit. Samson would head up with one on the road. But Benaiah does his in a pit. It wasn't snowing when Samson had his fight. It's snowing when Benaiah has his fight. Y'all in here now? All I'm trying to say is this took commitment. This took confidence. This took creativity. This took concern. This took calling and conviction. This took everything he had to complete this mission. When I look at Benaiah, I look at a man who was willing to be victorious. I look at a man who should be remembered. A man we should emulate. A man who could be followed. A man you could identify with. A man you ought to think about. He's a man to resemble. Here it is. Let let me run this rabbit. Can I run it for you? He's a man who teaches me sacrifice. He's a man who teaches me principle and protection. He's a man who teaches me to be a man. He teaches me to hold on to your values and use what God has placed in you when danger comes into your community. Oh, shoot, help me preach a while, Lord. He took risk. He's a man who don't run from the enemy. He runs to the enemy. He's a man who stood alone thought alone, took the heat alone, and got the victory alone. We can learn from this brother that the kingdom of heaven, here I come, needs men that look like this. Y'all gonna help me, brothers? Brothers, we need some fathers who are willing to jump in the pits and save their families from the battle with the evil one. We need some fathers who are willing to jump in the pit and slay the satanic lies of the evil one. I need some help, brothers. I need some help in here. We need some fathers who are willing to jump in the pit and fight off the satanic suggestions in your mind. We need some fathers who are willing to jump in the pit and kill the satanic text messages that are sent by the evil one. We need some fathers who are lying killers. We need to hear it in their preaching. We need to see it in their teaching. We need to see it in their leading while they are protecting God's people in the midst of a global pandemic. Where the fathers at? Where the fathers at? Can I say some more? We looked at Benaiah's pedigree. We looked 
Abinias prowess. And I'm going to get out of here. I don't want y'all to sleep on me. Let's look now at Benaiah's power. Y'all going to help me? Yeah. Come on, don't fool me now. Y'all going to help me? Yeah. Verse 21. And the text says, y'all catch that? That's a conjunction. It hooks up two moving dogs. Okay, let me say it again. He whooped the Moabites. He whooped the lion in the pit. And then the text says, and. He ain't through. He killed an Egyptian. A spectacular man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand. And so he went down to the man with a staff. Somebody holler a stick. And he wrestled the spear out of the Egyptian's hand. Took his spear and killed him with it. I'm going to lay in the plane after I talk about this. Y'all in here now? When you come to this final portion of the text, beloved, we see one more victorious battle done by the brother whose name is Benaiah. This battle is different from the previous two battles. But it was also a face-to-face conflict. It was hand-to-hand battle. You see the thing? It was an up-close struggle with the enemy of his soul. The first enemy is a picture of the flesh. The second enemy is a picture of the devil, the roaring lion. But this third enemy is a picture of the world. See, anytime you read about Egypt in the Old Testament, you can picture the world is like Egypt. Remember Pharaoh? Remember all the things he was involved in? That's a picture of the world. Here you have a man who's willing to fight the flesh, the devil, and the world. Come on, Benias, I need you to man up in here. Let me say some more. This significant picture is one that teaches me Benaiah was willing to fight against worldliness. Well, why, why, Pastor? Well, worldliness threatens every man every day. Worldliness makes you deny God and give your flesh what it wants. Worldliness makes you do what the culture says instead of what the spirit says. Worldliness makes you want what God hates. Worldliness is the enemy of the man of God. Can I turn the light on right there? Worldliness, like Dr. E.K. Bailey said, worldliness will make you go in debt to buy stuff you don't need to impress people you don't even like. Worldliness. It's a big monster, y'all. We fighting with it right now. Somebody got more debt in your life because of worldliness. Somebody that lost relationships because of worldliness. Somebody that lost families because of worldliness. It's a monster and it don't ever sleep. 
You know what the text says? The Egyptian was a spectacular man. <laughs> Y'all catch that? A spectacular man. In other words, he was exceptional too. Benaiah was exceptional, but the Egyptian was exceptional. Well, what, what made him so exceptional? I'm glad you asked. There was no enemy like this guy. In fact, he's in a class all by himself. He'd never been beaten, and everybody knew how bad this brother was. And the text says he was packing. Y'all know what that means. Brother had a spear in his hand. Secondly, we discover that he has skill in using that weapon. And he was prepared to kill Benaiah. Can I tell you that worldliness is just like this? The world lay up at night practicing how they gonna kill your witness. Practicing how they gonna kill your walk. Practicing how they gonna distract you from the word. Can I say some more? Reverend, it takes skill to kill the Christian's desire to obey. Can't anybody do that. Why? Because the spirit of God lives in me. So the world got to work overtime to get me to not trust God. Hey, I just dropped something right there. The world got to work overtime to make me fearful when I choose to live by faith. The world's got to work overtime to get me to walk away from what happened for me at the cross. It takes skill to kill the Christian's faith, to kill the Christian's desire. It takes skill to make the Christian oppose God in every area of their life. Take skill, somebody holler skill, to make the Christian forsake the word. Take skill to make the Christian rebel against God in their life. Come on, holler back at me, somebody. Worldliness is incredibly powerful and it's spectacular to witness when it's in full effect. Y'all in here? World said we got a global pandemic. Shut it down, church. Church said, well, we could shut it down or we could go online. We could shut it down Let's just meet outside. Somebody said, well, you meet at your house. I'll meet at my house, and we'll go live and chat about it. Skill to try to get the believer hey, to not trust in God. I like the text. I'm coming down now. The Egyptian came against him. The text says, but... But now he went down to the Egyptian with a stick. Y'all know I want to shout right there. Egyptian came with a spear. Benaiah shows up to the fight with a stick. Y'all see that there? 
And the record is that he wrestled the spear out of the Egyptian's hand with a stick. That's a bad boy. <laughs> what do you mean? Benaiah chose his weapon because the world or the enemy chose his weapon. Benaiah chooses a stick. Can I tell you why? God has history we're using sticks. I got some Bible for my theology. It wasn't the first time Egypt seen a stick. The last time the Egyptians saw a stick, it was carried by a brother named Moses. Wasn't he a bad boy with a stick? Every time he laid that stick down, God did something supernatural. I wish I had time to run that rabbit. Little frogs, little lights, little gnats, darkness over the whole country, all instrumented by a stick. This was no mistake on Maniah's part. I believe he knew if God used a stick one time, he'd do it again another time. He wasn't the only one. David had a stick. David wasn't the only one had a stick. But Jesus had a stick. Didn't he have a stick? And out on that stick, he won the greatest victory over the enemy of the flesh, the enemy of the world, and the enemy called Satan. I got to get out of here. I'm out of my bath this minute. But let me land the plan. I'm closing when I tell you this. I'm cutting across the field, humping off my pages, Jackie. You see me there. Listen, here's what I noticed. Here's what I noticed in the text. That Benaiah gets the victory. But it never tells you what his name means. So I'll close the plane, land it, and tell you what his name means. Benaiah's name means God has done it. And the reason why this is important is because David in this chapter was choosing the mighty men who were going to work in his army. And Benaiah is the last man that David selects. And when David gets Benaiah, it's symbolic to completing the team. After he gets to Benaiah's name, the Hebrew writer said, God has done it. Yeah, God gave David the last soldier he'd ever need. And Benaiah is his name. I'm glad right there. Because St. Rush, you got a Benaiah as a pastor. And God has done it. Yes, he has. He's whoops and stuff according to the flesh. He whoops and stuff. 
stuff according to the world. And I watched him show power over the enemy. But now, I'm closing now. But when I look at Benaiah, I see a greater Benaiah who was on the way through 42 generations. Born of a virgin, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Jesus, Mary's baby, walked the dusty streets, gave sight to the blind. Didn't they do it? Jesus, Mary's baby, cast out devils, walked on water. I say, didn't he do it? And the final victory, one Friday, one Friday, one Friday, on a hill called Calvary, they stretched him hard, and they dropped him low. Say, Pastor. 